Let's give God thanks. Father, we are blessed with the privilege of being able to come into your presence. We thank you, Father God, that as we spend this time this morning, we want to spend the time in your word. Our desire is to hear from you. We want you to speak to our hearts and our minds. And Father God, when we finish hearing from you, we want to walk away not as men who have looked into a mirror and forget what we see, but we will remember and then put these things into practice so that your name will be glorified, your will be done on earth, even, even as it is done in heaven. Receive all honor and glory. May you be seen in all that I say and all that I do this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Sister asked my, my wife what the W was for. Um, Brother Tommy um, knows my first name. It's Wilton, for those of you who don't know. And um, I normally go by Craig, one of my, um, it's the one I like. But <laughs> this morning I want this to be an opportunity for us to consider the reason why we do what we do. I was surprised this morning when I heard the content of the service. Persons praying for the ministries that they're involved in. I said, it's amazing how God brings things together. Because while I was preparing this message, my wife will tell you, I went through all types of topics considering what would God have me to share with the saints at Calvary Bible Church. And at the end of it all, I believe the topic that he dropped in my spirit was why do you do what you do? Why do we as individuals do what we do? What, what motivates us to do the things we do? Why are you here this morning in this service? Why did you come to church? Why did you partake in the breaking of bread service this morning? Why are you involved in ministry? Why are you in Awana? Why are you in the ladies group, in the men's ministry? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? What motivates you to witness? Those of us who are married with children, why do you love your wife? Why do you stay with her? Why do you put up with those lovely children that God has blessed you with? And it's not just about the things we do in church, but all of our lives, every aspect of our life. We should carry out these activities with the right motives. Why do we do what we do? What, what motivates you? What, what moves you? What, what drives you? I don't want us to consider a few this morning. For some of us, maybe for some of us, our motivation is fair. Some of us as children came to church because we were afraid of our parents. I will tear your tail. I mean, and we, we come to church. Some of us come to church because we're scared of our husbands or wives. Boy, I, I, I gotta go to church. I, I can't put up with what this woman would say if I don't go. Some of us come to church for security. I've heard it even said, you know, I, I gotta go to church because you know, when I die, I gotta have some place for them to bury me. Some come to church for acceptance. This is the group 
that I'm a part of. This is, these are my peers. This is where I'm accepted. This is where we Christians get together. This is our hangout spot. Some of us do it just because it's the routine. Every Sunday, we get up, we go to church, and we put in our one and a half hours, because it has to be out by 12.30. I put in my 10% because that's what I'm supposed to do. And so every Sunday, every Tuesday for Awana, or every Friday for Men's Fellowship, or whatever day it is, we go through our routine and do what we're supposed to do. Because that's what we do. For some of us, we're involved in church because it's where we make some good contacts. Got some good business contacts. It's nothing like going out and you recognize, hey, that's my brother from Cary Bible Church. Maybe get a 10% deal on that um, uh, item, eh? And for some of us, we just need a good place for the kids to go to church. Churches, this is a nice, wholesome environment. You know, you don't expect anything bad to happen here. So I go to church because it's a good place for the kids to hang out. And for some of us, we go here because of the applause, the attention. Wow. Look at how well he I get a pat on the back, and when I do it just right, when I preach just right, I sing just right, I serve just right, I get that. <sighs> I feel good. And some of us do it because of the rewards, the promotion. All of us have our reasons for doing what we do. I was reading, and they said, we must acknowledge the obvious. This is from Wikipedia. So that people become involved in different issues and activities and groups only to the extent that their personal needs and interests are appealed to or met. I do this because it's all about me. I come, I go, I do, I act because of what I get out of it. Persons are recruited. They must feel that the proposed action will result in something meaningful to them. This guy did a research and he said, there are five main reasons people do things. Five key things. One is achievement. That sense of accomplishment, of contribution. Recognition. The work itself must be meaningful and stimulating. Or I have an opportunity for, for advancement or responsibility. Or... It gives me room for creativity and growth. Now these may be okay factors for people to strive and to excel. But the question I asked you this morning, is this the reason why we as believers should do what we do? For those of us who are members of the incredible incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, what should be the motive for you sitting in this service this morning? For you serving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, for you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, for you spending time in God's word, what should be the motive? Why should you do what you do? I don't believe that those are the reasons we should. And I'm hoping by the end of this message, you would agree with me. We shouldn't be doing what we're doing just for what I can get out of it. What is in it This morning, I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 21. 
2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 21. I'm going to try to be brief this morning. But I want us to look at what were the motives behind what Paul did. Why Paul did what he did. And what motivated him. Now, 2 Corinthians is written by Paul, of course, to the church at Corinth. And it's considered to be the most autobiographical or personal of Paul's letters. It talks a lot about Paul himself and gives us some, some picture into Paul's life, Paul's ministry. It all, it's also considered the least doctrinal, even though some of the points are very doctrinal, it's considered to be one of the least doctrinal. And the book is written into three sections, three parts. Chapters 1 through 7, Paul's defense of, his, of himself and his ministry. Paul had to defend himself. People were talking about Paul. They were tearing him down. They were saying he was doing things for the wrong motives, and Paul tried to defend himself. And he used chapters 1 through 7 to do that. Also, chapters 8 and 9, eight and nine cover the collection of funds for the church in Jerusalem. That's where we read about the motives. Why should we give? It should be a cheerful giver. And Paul, and Paul talks about this as well. What is your motive Forgiving. Why should I give to the Lord? And then chapters 10 through 13 defend Paul's apostleship and authority against false teachers. Now one of the main reasons Paul wrote 2 Corinthians was to defend his life and ministry. It was being attacked by his critics and he used the opportunity to discuss the motivation, the motives, the reason behind why he did what he did. And I think Paul does an excellent job in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. Let's listen to Paul's heart as he speaks. Paul says, the first motive behind what I do is to please God. Pure and simple. I do what I do because I want God to be pleased. I want God to be pleased. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we should rather be away from the body. Paul said we, we would prefer to be out of this body and to be with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please God. No matter where we are, we are motivated and our actions are determined by our desire to please our Heavenly Father. Colossians 1 and 10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. We want to fully please God in everything that we do. I find it interesting that the text says, While we are away or at home. I know some of you have heard this saying before, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's amazing that you hear the stories when we are home in, in, amongst our friends and family and our known folks. We're very pious. We're good little Christians. But oh, when we cross the waters, when we get out of the sight of those who know who we are, but there's a song that you say, I see your true colors. Ooh, that's why we like to let what happens in Vegas stay in Vegas. Because if they saw me, Paul says, you know what? Whether I am at home or I am abroad, my aim 
is to please the Lord. That should be your motives for everything that you do. To please God. Whether you're in Freeport, in Florida, in Vegas, wherever. No matter what company you find yourself in, your purpose should be to please God. And God will reward you accordingly. Paul says the second reason for his, re his motive was the fear of the Lord, found in 2 Corinthians 5.11. He says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord. Paul says, my motive for my ministry is my understanding of the fact that our God is an awesome God. He's one to be feared. He's one to be reverenced and revered. God is not a God to be trifled with. And because I know God is not one to be trifled with, he is not one who takes sin lightly. And he says in his word, we will, all of us who know him as our Lord and person, say we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and each of us will receive what is due. Whatever you do in your body, good or evil. And because I know there are consequences for our actions, I have to tell people, you know what? You've got to behave yourself. I know there's a consequence. I know there's a judgment day coming. And I know when we stand before God, who we're going to stand before. We're going to stand before an awesome, a terrible, a serious God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light all things. He will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. When judgment day comes and you stand before our heavenly father, he will know why you did what you did. And all of your purposes and all of your motives are going to be revealed. You see, you can fool me. Probably can fool all of us. Some of us are very good. We can wear the masks. We can play the games. We have the lingo down. We have the actions down pat. I carry the big Bible. I wear the nice suit. I talk the right talk. But God knows your heart. He does. Paul even says it. He says, Paul even detours for a brief moment in, in verses 11 and 12. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. He said, but what we are is known of God. See, you could fool me, you know. But God knows. And that's what I find to be mind-boggling. Who are you fooling? I, I, I mean, for where it counts... For where it really counts, who are you, whose wool are you pulling, whose eyes are you pulling the wool over? Me? God? You think he doesn't see? Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known of God. And I hope 
It is known also of your conscience. God knows our hearts. He knows our real motives. And Paul says, I'm not doing this to get attention, you know. Because God knows my heart. You should know my heart. I'm not, I'm not in a wanna just for people to see me in my nice outfit. I'm not in the women's ministry for people just to give me that, hey, good job, pat on the back. Because God does know our motives. And it's not a, it's not about just what we do, but it's about also about why we do what we do. See, the Lord told Samuel back in 1 Samuel 16, 7, don't look on his appearance or his height, stature, because I've rejected him. What you consider to be important, I, I don't consider that. He said, for the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's where it comes. God looks at the heart. And if you're not doing it because of a heart motive, you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's sad to say, at the judgment seat of Christ, you will be rewarded accordingly. Paul continues in verse 14. His third motive, he said, I do this because of the love of Christ. For if we are beside ourselves, in verse 13, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Some translations say constrains us or, or compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all died. Paul says, listen, God's love, the love that he demonstrated in dying for all mankind, that is what presses me. That is what compels me. That's what drives me. That love that he demonstrated his love compels me to do the things I do and love others. The love of God. Why do we do what we do? We should be driven by the love that God has already shown us. If he was willing to die for us, and because he died, the text says now that he died, he, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their sakes died and was raised again. He died for you. So if he died for you so you could have life, at least you could live that life for him. Not for yourselves. For you. God's love is demonstrated in his dying for all. And Paul says, as I said, it presses him, it constrains him, it compels him. Christ died. He died for all. So that those who live would live for the one who died for them. Not looking out for your own interest. Not looking out for your own promotion. But looking out for the interest of the one who died for you. And Paul says, 
Because of this, I don't, I don't look at man just as, as flesh and blood. Christ died for you. I don't, I don't just see you as mere man. You are new creatures. And if we're new creatures, then we should live like new creatures. Our motives should be different from those who live as they are in the world. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And that should motivate us. That should drive us to live our lives to the honor and the glory of the one who died for us. New creatures. New creatures. And his last motive, and even though he doesn't speak it like it's a motive, this, this is the one that really just blows me away. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us to himself. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling man, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He didn't count it against us. He didn't hold it against me. In Christ, he reconciled me to himself and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for, God, for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In verse 21, for our sake, God made him to be sin for us. He knew no sin. But we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know who you are? God was in Christ. God the Father, the creator of the universe, the God of all things, the all-powerful one, the God who is all-sufficient. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need you or I. He was in Christ, working through him, reconciling, rebuilding that relationship with us. He didn't need it. We needed it. We walked away from him. He didn't walk away from us. But in Christ, he reconciled us to him. And he said, and this Christ, he knew no sin. The Bible said he made him to be sin. Jesus Christ was made a sin offering for us and took on all that that meant, all the punishment, all the shame. God the Father turning his back on him on the cross. All of this God did through Christ so that we could be made righteous. So God can see us as righteous. Do you know who you are? This is who you are. If, if we could grasp the reality of who we are, the righteousness of God, and that will change the motives. 
That would change the actions. That would change our reason. I cannot do what I do if I know who I am. I cannot let what I do be inconsistent with what I am. I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, I need to act that way. I need to, that, that needs to be the motive for what I do. I cannot continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. How could we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God reconciled. He, he, he restored the friendship. He changed that enmity between us and him. He brought us back together in Christ. Even in our sinful condition, he reconciled. We were enemies. Romans 5.10 says we were enemies. We weren't just indifferent. We were enemies of God. And God still reconciled us. All this he did. God made Christ a sin offering, a sacrifice, taking our punishment, who knew no sin, never sinned. He was pure, holy, so that we might be accepted as righteous, treated as righteous, who were not righteous on account of what Christ has done. Made sin. Made righteous. Made sin. Made righteous. What motivates me? Who I am. That's what motivates me. Why do I do what I do? Why should I do what I know to be right? Because of who I am. I can do I should do nothing else. The fear of the Lord, pleasing God, the love of Christ, and the knowledge of who I am, what God has done, should be the reason why we do what we do. Why should I love my wife? Because it's pleasing to God. Because I know what Christ did for me. He loved me. Why should I come to church? Because of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is where we should be. Those of us who are righteous. Who are God's chosen. Why should I fulfill my ministry? Because I know but someday, I will have to stand before God and give an account for the deeds done in this body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. I ask you again, members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church, to answer this question. Why do you do what you do? And I pray, my prayer is that as you continue in your walk, 
you'll be able to answer like Paul. Because I want to please my God. Because I know what an awesome, fearful God he is. Because I, I, I know the love that Christ demonstrated. And because of who I am, that is why I do what I do. In Jesus' name.